0: Everybody, this is James Durbin of Durbin, and you are watching CMS TV.
1: Chris Aiken and I, of course, am Chris Aiken, and today on the show we are going to bring back one of my favorite guys, of the newer guys that are out there doing it. Although it's hard to say newer at this point because he's been he's been doing it for a while, but uh, he, of course, is James Durbin. Um, he's got a new release from his project Durbin, which is called Screaming Steel, and it is exactly that. It is a screamer. So welcome to the show, James Durbin. James, how are you, man? I'm good, Chris. How are you? I'm good, man. It's good to talk to you once again. It's uh, great to talk to you on the back of this record, which is an absolute ass kicker, man. Fantastic.
0: Thank you, thank you. Well, if uh, if this, I think this record is anything like me, which it is, and I know I am. Uh, I've got four shots of espresso in me, so I, I think that uh, I think that me and Screaming Steel have a lot in common right now. Uh, we're <laughs> we're uh, we're we're hot on our toes, and we're uh, we're ready to kick some ass.
1: Absolutely, man. Well, dude, let's um let's dig into this thing a little bit. I mean, let's start. You obviously had the release, uh, you know, what, a year and a half ago or two years ago, Beast Awakens, uh, which was a cool kind of an introduction. Just as a fan, I'm saying that I feel like you really kind of came into that style now a lot more. I, I would say Screaming Steel is a lot better. But how how would you look at this release for you? How is it different for you? And how do you think you've grown into it?
0: Great question. Um, well, uh, one thing that that's tripping me out is it does feel like it was a year and a half ago or two years. Um, it was actually almost three years ago. Wow. Which is, yeah, which is just wild. So um, there's been that much musical growth, that much guitar playing growth, songwriting growth, just kind of like... Knowing what it is that I want and knowing what it is that I don't want uh, out of out of this project Um, I Think with the first one there was a lot of ambition into trying to I don't know prove it to myself that uh, that I could write a full-on traditional heavy metal album and You know there was I don't know. There was certain stakes. I think with this one, I'm just having fun with the first one. I was trying to write like this full on um, storyline going through it, you know, kind of like a concept album with this one. There is not really any of that. There's a little bit, you know, if I wanted to uh, bullshit and, uh, and say that there's like a, a little bit of a thread going through uh, from the first album with the prince and the king and the, and the realm and all that, that, fun stuff. Um but with this one I just tried to, you know, with traditional heavy metal, at least the classics, the kind that I like, there is a heavy dose of cliche. Right. And there's nothing wrong with that. Some people love cliche, some people can't fucking stand it. So, you know, it's <laughs> I'm trying to write good songs. I'm trying to write uh great melodies and great hooks. And I feel like there's you know, every song has a hook. Every song has multiple solid melodies. Um, and I try to do a lot of like trimming of excess parts on this record. And even when I listen now, there's, there's things that I hear on it where I'm like, eh, I could have trimmed that. I could have I shortened that. You know, tear them down, for instance. I could have shortened that. Um, there's, there's extra in there that doesn't necessarily need to be there. Um, just extra groove that is it a little bit too much. Maybe, but there's a bitch in solo, so, you know, uh, you, you, you know, you, <laughs> you take it as you take it. So um, I think I've just learned a lot and grown a lot. I wanted to also write more of a record that could be played better live. Okay. There's a lot of good on The Beast Awakens, and we certainly play it. Um, but it's, I wanted to write this tailored a little bit more to a two guitar format. Right. Uh, have uh, for live of Dylan Rose and I have Moksha and uh, both are great guitar players. And so it's, it's figuring out, you know, how is this going to translate to the stage um, a little bit more and trying to write something that's a little bit more anthemic rather than um, introspective, like the first album. There was okay. a lot of story on the first album, which didn't necessarily play to live live performance unless you're going through everything chronologically
1: right certainly well dude I, I'm gonna go back to ask a question about today uh certainly everybody knows where you came from you know you made your mark with American Idol and mm-hmm. um and certainly you had a huge TV audience that saw you do that and it would have been very simple for you to just become a pop guy or a country guy or something like that to to gravitate to that. And I know you're a metal guy at heart, but I know a lot of other metal guys at heart that are playing music to make money. What is it that pushed you to metal as a career versus as a passion?
0: Well, I think it's still, excuse me as I remove my Def Leppard bomber here sitting in the sun. (laughs) Um, Let's see. So, I mean, I still, I don't I don't think anybody can necessarily in this day and age can claim metal as a career um, you know it's still it, it has to be a passion it has to be it has to you have to want to do it in order to do it because right, like right. you know it's not like I'm breaking the bank uh, <laughs> making metal so I mean I've always just kind of I've led with my with my heart I've led with my um with my soul and just what what feels good in the moment, what I want to play, you know, it's it's my first record coming off of American Idol. My first two records coming off of American Idol were what the label wanted. Um, first album was I got I got some good stuff in there that I wanted, but second album I went in and went and worked with one of my favorite songwriters, James Michael from Six AM, right, and this great record which we thought was great we didn't really get any direction from the label back then from wind up. And, uh, and then I went to New York and we listened to everything and they were like, yeah, we think we want to, we think we want you to make a pop album. I was like, ah, shit. (laughs) It's rock of ages. It's rock of ages. You take the, take the young rocker who's doing great. And then you, uh, you know, you strip him of all of his, uh, all the things that make him him and, and, uh, and put him through the trenches. So, I mean, with my second album, I, I, took it as a challenge and was like, all right, well, if I'm going to have to make a pop album, I'm at least going to write, you know, 70% of it. I'm going to get that extra songwriting uh, royalty advance. So, you know, tried to get as much money as I could out of it, which was great, you know? Um, And then, uh, and then I went independent. I made Riot on Sunset, which was me kind of just doing whatever I wanted to do at that time, which was a little bit Coming off of the pop stuff, uh, a little bit more Aerosmithy style, and trying to get into the metal a little bit, writing my own songs, and exploring that. Uh, there's a song on there called "Beautiful" that's uh, that that could have gone on "The Beast Awakens" or on uh, "Screaming Steel." So, and then after that, I was with Quiet Riot and making albums with them, and wasn't necessarily stoked on the musical direction of those albums, and. Um, just had my acoustic and was kind of sad, <laughs> and so I wrote these <laughs> songs, these introspective songs, on a record that I put out called Homeland, which is basically Americana. And I mean, I I I've, I've been picking up that guitar lately and still playing those kind of songs. And um, you know, I I just love music. Right. I just love the fuck out of music. I just really enjoy music. So, um, and and it doesn't like I still write pop songs. I still write Americana songs. I still write songs that border on country. I still, you know, uh, but as far as what I'm wanting to release right now, like my wife asked me, like if you could sing any kind of music or if you could compare yourself to any artist that you would like to emulate in that way, who would it be? And, and I'm not even like a Springsteen fan, but I, I, I think i said springsteen just based on like he just kind of writes mm-hmm. and then records and then plays whatever the hell he feels like and it's him so you know there, there's a lot more like i don't know i feel like you gotta like pick one thing these days which is why i attribute this to just the last name durbin if i do another homeland-ish album uh you know maybe that'll be the next james durbin album and kind of do a Americana thing over here and a heavy metal thing over here. I don't know, but I just, uh, right now I'm just really enjoying metal and really enjoying getting that, um, that releasing that kind of pressure valve. Right. And, and it's, it's really fun to me because I love classic metal so much. I love how cliche it is, how over the top it is. And, and, you know, those Judas Priest records and, and like just finding I don't know. Finding new ways to say the same thing, you know, which is really what any of these bands are doing. And there's so many great bands in this genre, in this kind of revivalist heavy metal, traditional or trad or cinematic or power or whatever. Mm-hmm. Like, there's so many young bands that are doing it and that are doing it great and that are clearly having fun. You know, uh, I'm just uh, I'm a I'm a young old man. <laughs> I've got three <laughs> kids and a wife. And uh a mortgage and you know and all that stuff. So I'm like, I'm not so much of like well, let me go out there and slug it out on the road, but let me, you know, hole up in my studio and and try and make badass records.
1: Right on, man. Well, let's talk about some of the badass tracks on this record. I'm gonna start with my favorite, which is Beyond the Night. Yeah. Very cool track, very iron maiden-y, gallopy type of a track. You know, tell tell me tell me about that song.
0: So Beyond the Night is probably I think Beyond the Night and Rebirth are the oldest riffs and uh, ideas on this album. Uh, Beyond the Night was inspired by... I was playing some... It's when I was writing The Beast Awakens, even, even before it had taken shape. Um, at the end of 2019 and the beginning of 2020, I played some shows with y and And just having that kind of like Dave Menachete you know, vision in my head of, of, uh, it originally kind of stemmed from, from playing with those shows with Y and T. And even though like, beyond the night when the sun is falling around you, just sounds like, it sounds like a melody that Medichetti would sing. Right. And, uh, it was like beyond the night. And then I think what ended up coming out of that was calling out for midnight, which was on the, the first urban album. Um, I think that's the one that kind of like took shape. And so, uh, going back through older ideas um, as well as new ones, and just started to flesh that one out. I thought the riff was cool. Um, yeah, I just I like to write from a I'd like to put my my songwriting cap on and kind of like get into that Tony Iomi headspace sure. of just like how can I how can I make the the coolest sounding thing um, the easiest? Right. You know, it doesn't need to be overcomplicated, but that also, I think that like, if you are a guitar player that can play all the notes and do it well, then it's going to be easier for you to write something that has all the notes. Right. You know, uh, overcomplicated because that's, you know, your your skill level. So um, for me, that's not my skill level uh, (laughs) as a guitar player. And (laughs) I like to write something that's uh, as, as simply, um, I don't know, that's just stated as simply as possible. And, and in doing so is actually a lot harder. Um, Yeah. So I I feel like the riffing is good on that. Uh, That one does kind of have a little bit of a, storyline, if you will. Um, that's just kind of like searching all across for, you know, something that you love um, and kind of saying it in a do esque sort of a way with the mysticism and sailing on the, you know, sailing through space and, and, uh, and all that kind of stuff. So like, um, yeah, I'm glad you like that one. That one's, that one's like the one that I'm like, all right it's kind of a b-side but it's kind of like a b-side in that way of like one night in the city is a b-side on last right. month. You now it's like one night in the city is my favorite song on that record but it's in all intents and purposes is a b-side so yeah i, I, I like to i don't know i just enjoy writing i just enjoy right. writing so thank you i appreciate that Lightning, wicked. Glass breaking, glass full The curse comes to pass. In the-
1: Well, the other one you mentioned as well is another one I wanted to bring up, which is Rebirth. I I love your vocal parts in this. I love that you challenged yourself vocally with some different things. You know, what was that the intention on this one or is that just how the song flowed together where you saw different places to try lower tones and higher tones and mix and match it?
0: So Rebirth was originally the opening track. That was the first song that I wrote after the beast awakens. And that was going to be the way that like when the original idea was to continue to do a storyline thread and still make this a concept album. Rebirth was the opening track. Okay. And the, the decision to make it the last track would be to, you know, leave it kind of open-ended that maybe the third Durban album would be a return to a concept. Um, but, yeah, because the, the first Urban album ends with Rise to Valhalla. And so that's like a warrior dying in battle and, you know, receiving the ultimate honor of, of you know, rising to Valhalla. Um, right. And then What Then? You know, it's like a new rebirth. So um, it's kind of turning. It's kind of a I wanted to originally wanted to set Screaming Steel album in space. <laughs> I wanted to make it like this like space ocean space fantasy epic sort of thing that was the original um, bold bold idea um, that didn't necessarily take uh, take shape but um, I still love the song and it's it's an interesting song where it's kind of a it's kind of an uh, um, not an opera, but kind of like a rock opera kind of a piece where it just tells the story. There's no solo. You know, uh, I I went back and forth, like, do I put a solo in it? Originally it had a couple solo sections, but again, when talking about trimming excess, I trim those and I just like that it it just gets straight to the point. Right. And it kind of just tells the story and it just allows me to sing cool parts in succession. Um and then that that ending that guttural we no longer wait. I can't do it right now, but <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, yeah. And then the following our rebirth is the dawning of our rise, right? Is right? kind of a um, it's a cool way to end it. You know, I, I like I like a strong opening and a strong closer, uh, right. which I feel like the the Beast Awakens has opening with the Prince of Metal and closing with Rise to Valhalla. And then this one opening with uh, Made of Metal and closing with Rebirth. I think it's pretty cool.
1: Absolutely, man. Well, dude, let's transition away from music just for a second. Um, you probably remember this. We, You, myself, and uh, G, G in Floridia tried last winter to get this wrestling thing together where we're going oh, to watch, yeah. watch wrestling right. and, and review this thing. Obviously, it's a crazy time in wrestling right now. AEW is doing stuff. You were just on the cruise with Jericho. WWE yeah. is blowing up again for the first time in a while. How are as a wrestling fan? Are you loving all this stuff, or do you wish one side would win and the other side would settle back, or what?
0: No, I think when wrestling is doing great, everybody wins. You know, it's it's it hasn't always. Not that it's cool to be a wrestling fan, but there's more. Um, I don't know. There's more eyes on the product now. So it's a little bit more accepted to be a wrestling fan. I feel, you know, like people that aren't wrestling fans are like, oh, that fake stuff. Like, <laughs> right. do they think that it's like, do they think that it's only like, I don't know what they, I don't know what people think because it's, it's so freaking massive. Yeah. It's so massive. So like, oh, you like that thing that sells out stadiums across the world? <laughs> you like that thing that, that, uh, gives, you know these giant specimens of human beings, um, uh, work and puts food on their family tables for just being badasses. Right? Yeah, <laughs> fuck yeah, I do. <laughs> it's like live heavy metal, you know. Um, but yeah, I AEW is. I've really enjoyed AEW. AEW is like having a having an issue finding its identity. I feel like, and but then again, I also you know, WWE has known its identity for a long time. And I think AEW is like bordering on, do we take more cues from this company or that company? Sometimes I feel like it's just like, it doesn't have an identity and it's not necessarily looking for one. It just does everything.
1: Yeah, I I agree. I, I wish they would go back to the identity. They had on day one, which I loved where it was just kind of rebel wrestling. That was, uh, for me, that was kind of the best era. How is it that you haven't been tapped yet to to do an intro for somebody or music for somebody?
0: Man, you so fit that bill, and you're a fan. So once upon a time, I had an opportunity to do someone's entrance music, Um, but it it wouldn't have worked out for anybody because it was for, uh, what was her name? Eva Marie
1: okay yeah
0: (laughs) yeah um yeah back in wwe in like 2015 and you know no one liked that so (laughs) i'm glad that i turned that one down (laughs) um that didn't fit with me or with my wife or with uh the fans so uh no one wanted her but um (laughs) uh i was you know it's wild on the cruise i was just talking to scott demore um from tna and then he was just fired yesterday so I was talking to him about music because I do a show on access TV um, on the same network that they're on um, called top 10 revealed. And, uh, and yeah, I was talking to him about um, doing something music wise with TNA and, uh, and then he was just uh, unceremoniously fired yesterday. So um, that one's out. (laughs) And then (laughs) AEW, they've got their guy and he just kind of does everything, but you know, it's, I've just got to reach out and uh and do that sort of thing you know years ago on my ride on sunset album i had a song called smackdown which we did in the ring you know we did a video in the ring and and uh one of the dudes that was in the video uh like we debuted the video and then like the very next monday he was on raw with uh when they were doing all that stuff with uh with braun strowman right uh they were in denver he was one of like the the 420 boys or something i don't know it was funny but so that was cool, but, you know, it, it, the song was a little bit too on the nose. It was, right. it was SmackDown, so they weren't necessarily going to do anything with that. But um, I think that, like, I don't know. It's I, I get to do enough stuff with wrestling, and I've got a, 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 a free ticket, a free seat in the front row every time I, I want to go to an AEW show um, right. or a WWE show. Though they may be cracking down on their uh, their 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 comp tickets, I heard. But you know, we'll see. But you know, for like the last thirteen years, I've I've you know been able to uh, just go have a woo. There I go. I've been able to have a front row seat to all these shows right. and got to go to WrestleMania on their uh, on their dime when I was doing stuff with the Be a Star uh, anti-bullying campaign back in uh, back right after Idol
1: right. and.
0: You know, there's been a lot of crazy dreams coming true, um, with me and with wrestling. So, if if by any chance there was an opportunity to to sing on someone's entrance, I would obviously jump jump at it, um, because that's really cool.
1: Yeah, no, I agree. I I'm just surprised you haven't done it yet. I mean, because I know a couple of artists like. Roy Cathy from cold sweat. He, he did, um, Kip Sabian's music and, and plush that band plush. They do, uh, Athena's music because they have a song called Athena, but you know, they, they do her music. So there are opportunities there somewhere. I'm just surprised you who's a very vocal fan have not found that spot yet.
0: I've, I guess I just need to talk some more of the talent. I mean, I was, I was kind of hanging out with a bunch of people on the cruise, but you know, it's, you know, when, when orange Cassidy has starship, you know, you're not going to beat that. Um, right. <laughs> I don't know, maybe, maybe, uh, I don't know. I don't know. I really don't know. You know, it's, it's, uh, maybe when Luther gets out of his uh, thing with Tony storm, maybe he'll have a, uh, have his own music and, uh, maybe something like that. I don't know. I was, right. I was hanging out with people. So it was more just like, you know, getting to know people on a, on a human level. And, um, yeah, it was the cruise was was wild. It was wild, you know. I'm sitting there with with my best friend of uh, from childhood till now, and uh, and we're just you know in the artist lounge or up in Jericho's uh, uh, quarters <laughs> partying right. with everybody or watching everybody else party, and we're just poking each other, just like, dude, this is <laughs> so weird. You know, gone are the days when we're all pooling together our five dollars to. Afford a sixty-five-dollar pay-per-view, right? Um, and and drinking warm Bud Lights, you know, as teenagers. So <laughs> gone are those days, and here we are, you know, drinking cold but full-bodied Budweisers on a on the Jericho Cruise. You know, nice. We're really, we're really, really moving on up to the big time.
1: Right on, man. Well, dude, you've definitely moved on to the big time with this new release, Screaming Steel. It's a great record. I suggest everybody buy it and. Yeah, you can stream it, but for God's sakes, buy it, people. Buy it. Help help James out here. Help, me, help, help the label recoup. That's right. <laughs> help the label recoup. Because if they uh, don't, yeah. then there won't be another one.
0: Right, exactly. Um, I'm doing a, uh, for anybody listening that ha- might happen to be in California, I'm doing an in-store record release day signing uh, okay. in my hometown, Santa Cruz, California, at Streetlight Records, traditional mom and pop locally owned record store and uh, we're doing an in-store performance with the Durbin band live we're doing five or six songs I think a bunch off the new one a couple off the last one and uh, and then signing copies uh, in store and that is next Friday February 16th very
1: cool well one more time it is Scream and Steal it is Durbin and uh, James as always man it's great talking to you here on Chris Hagan Presents
0: likewise Chris I appreciate it thanks for having me A world brought to its knees Vengeful
1: What's on, everybody? It's Chris Aiken, and just wanted to share a very limited edition of autographed books that I found that I am selling right now over at Chris Aiken Books. I've got this one. I know it doesn't look like it has anything on the cover, but it's got a lot inside. This is my book, Cause and Effect Metallica, about the Metallica Black Album. It's uh, one of my more successful books, and I ran out of copies long ago to sign and sell. But I found a few, and I do mean very few. So if you want one, there's like, uh, I don't know, maybe five of them that are available for sale as of today. So get it now over at ChrisAkinBooks.com. ChrisAkinBooks.com. Cause and effect Metallica. On sale now.